Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where a bully's dad gets the stuffing beat out of him. Back before cell phone robocalls was the era of fax machine spammers. My office would receive several faxes a day from an office supply business. Phone calls requesting them to stop did nothing. Aside from the waste of paper and ink, these spam faxes came during the busiest part of our day, when customers faxed in their delivery expectations for the next business day. Each of their faxes had their business header at the top, followed by the phrase, fill out completely, then supplies to choose from and a number to fax the form back. I told my secretary to take a black marker, circle fill out completely, color in the rest of the page, and fax back five times each time we received our order form. The faxes stopped that week. Then we have a similar story from Anacetus Max down in the comments. I had the same problem once and did something similar. This was before plain paper fax machines when they used the rolls of the special paper. So I took a black marker and completely blacked out three sheets of copier paper and taped them in one long sheet, fed them into the fax machine, then started the fax. Once the fax machine started, I looped the top of the long sheet of paper back and taped it into a loop, then walked away. (laughs) About 20 minutes later, I got a phone call from the offending business begging me to stop my fax. Never got another fax from them. Our next Reddit post is from Darlin Squishy. I used to work as a property manager for a semi-large company in a small city. Among the usual duties of a property manager, we were also responsible for after-hours maintenance calls. Originally, we were paid for three hours of overtime to cover the phone calls we answer, and we were paid an additional 80 bucks for any calls out we have to attend ourselves. The entire team rotated the phone calls between us, so we only had the emergency phone for one weekend every two months. The phone was an after-hours maintenance line for over 800 properties, so you can imagine how busy it would get, but the extra pay helped the blow of losing your weekend. This wasn't a problem until our boss wanted to crack down on overtime hours, stating, I very much doubt you're working three hours while you have the emergency phone. His new rule was for each staff member to document when and who called, and you would be paid an hour of regular time each call. But under no circumstances are you to attend any issues yourself. This includes unlocking doors for tenants who are locked out of their property. He enforced that the tenant must pay for a locksmith to attend and let themselves in. This angered many of our clients and caused us to be constantly abused over the phone by our tenants as they had to pay 300 bucks for a locksmith. This is where the malicious compliance began. We indeed documented all our calls, which instead of paying each employee 100 bucks for three hours, he ended up having to pay us 500 or more each weekend due to the amount of calls we would actually take. But it doesn't stop there. What I should probably mention is that our company can provide accommodation for our more higher staff at a fraction of the cost you would normally pay. The manager in question was in such accommodation, and lo and behold, he managed to lock himself out of his apartment at 11pm on a Friday night. So he calls me up. Hello, OP. I've locked myself out of my apartment. You need to collect the spare keys and come unlock my door. I'm very sorry, manager, but I can't do that. Um, excuse me? Why not? Unfortunately, you've instructed me not to attend to any callouts under any circumstance. I can, however, send you through the number of our preferred locksmith to come let you in. After a few choice words, the manager hung up and phoned a locksmith. Let's just say after he'd forked out 300 bucks for an after-hours locksmith, he changed our ability to attend callouts. 
Man, I get that the punchline of this story is giving the manager a taste of his own medicine, but I think the real victory here is the $500 weekends. Man, $250 a day, that is impressive. Our next Reddit post is from Punk Thug. So, in 2012, I found myself working as an overnight maintenance laborer for a family-owned collection of properties. Two shopping complexes, a winery, a few warehouses, etc. But most of the time, I was working to keep a grocery store built in the late 60s functioning. Worked my way up to night maintenance manager and loved my job. I was getting the kind of education you can't buy. Hands-on electrical one night, plumbing the next, welding after that. All taught to me by three men that could build a house up to code single-handedly. And we all got along great. It was the first time in my adult life I had real responsibilities and I was respecting myself because I respected the job I was doing. The owners were all people that truly cared about their employees and they proved this when, in 2017, they sold the main grocery store. One of the many things they included in the sale was that all current employees had to be offered a new position at their current pay level. The company that bought us, I won't say their name, but think the opposite of dangerous path, does not employ an in-house maintenance team. Something breaks, they outsource the fixing of it. So they really didn't have a ready-made place for me to fit into like the other department managers. The store manager also didn't like that I was making 8 bucks an hour, 6 bucks over a new higher rate. Thus began the systematic, what I saw as harassment, and what has been later confirmed to me as the standard operating procedure for legally getting rid of someone at this company. Some of my favorites include making me, a 35-year-old, a bag boy. Joke's on you, I love doing easy work for good money. Writing me up for spending 20 minutes talking to the police about an accident I'd seen while returning carts. I thoroughly enjoyed the district manager apologizing to me for that. Cutting my hours down from full-time to 24 hours a week, which is completely allowable, but as the second most senior member in the store, everyone below me has to get their hours cut first. No, you can't force me to take a salaried manager's position. Yes, you can make me a cashier, a position you know I don't want, but you have to give me a $3 pay bump. And on and on and on, in addition to the many broken verbal promises and out-and-out lies. I became very well-versed in the union rules, my specific contract rules, and how to protect myself. Seven union arbitrations in my first five months all ended in my favor. Meanwhile, the assistant managers love me. I can cover any department because I've done most everything and I'm a quick learner for what I don't know. When anything breaks down in the store, it was falling apart before they bought it. If I can't fix it, I can at the very least make a detailed work request so it gets fixed sooner. I become the go-to cover guy, filling in any position that needs it. Which, at long last, brings me to my malicious compliance. The store was not doing well, sales-wise. About a year and a half in, they couldn't get a closing butcher. So the night manager taps me to work in the meat department for three hours every night just to close it out and clean up. In the department, there's a bandsaw that's used for cutting meat with bones in it. It's a pain in the butt to clean, so after reading the department manual, I realized you were not to use that piece of equipment if you hadn't been trained on it. Now, I 100% had been trained on that bone saw. I knew how to take it apart, fix it, and put it back together. But that training was with the old company, and I had been informed many times that the new company only thought I'd been trained when they trained me. Perfect. I can close down the bone saw earlier and get it cleaned. If any customer needs me to cut meat with a bone in it, I inform them that I hadn't been trained on that piece of equipment. Shouldn't be an issue. This is late night and the store is not doing that well to begin with. I clear all this with the assistant manager. 
This goes on for months until finally I'm called into the manager's office during the day. Turns out, one of the customers I'd informed that I couldn't use the bone saw was a secret chopper. The store manager is writing me up for failure to complete my duties. She's also writing it up as malicious failure. I forget the term they use, it's basically two write-ups instead of one. And that, coupled with my previous write-up, I was 15 minutes late once, that's on me, gives her the three write-ups she needs to fire me. As I've done so many times in the past with this woman, I invoke my right to union representation and decline to talk with her until after I've spoken with them. At this point I'm thinking, they can't bust me, I was following the written directions, but oh no. It got so much sweeter and so much worse. While talking to my union rep, it quickly becomes clear that the butchers are a completely different union. The store is in violation of the butcher's union contract by having a non-union employee work for that department. So first my union fights the write-up, wins, and gets me paid for the four or five days I missed of work. They then get me a lawyer who tells me I'm not to speak with any store manager in any capacity due to the butcher union's complaint against the store. Two weeks off, fully paid for me. I can't very well work at a store where I can't speak to my bosses. I then get two more paid days off while I speak to various union reps for my testimony. The store is fined $50,000 from what I was told for breach of butcher's contract. When I return to work, my store manager doesn't work there anymore. Her replacement only accepts the job if his bonuses are not tied to the store's overall performance, so he doesn't mind I'm overpaid. As icing on the cake, no one really liked her, so I'm a freaking hero when I get back. Hmm, what can we do to punish this employee that we don't like? I know, let's give him two weeks of paid vacation and then break a contract, causing us to spend $50,000 unnecessarily and get me fired. Our next Reddit post is from General Diet. When I was eight years old, my dad and brothers moved across the country. My brother started high school while my dad started a new job. My mom and I stayed back so she could sell our house before we moved to join them. During this time, my dad asked my uncle to keep an eye on my mom and I. While selling the house, we moved in with my uncle and his family. It was a different area, so I had to go to a different school where I didn't know anyone. A few weeks into the school year, and a much larger kid two grades above me decided I would be his target for the year. It started small. He would knock things out of my hands or push me when we crossed paths. Then he started stealing things from me. I put up with it because I didn't think I had a choice at the time. I was working up the courage to fight back like my dad told me to, but the kid was huge so my courage wasn't building fast enough. One day I went to the bathroom during recess and ran into him in the bathroom. I knew that out of the view of the teachers, this wasn't going to be fun. As expected, he pummeled me right up until the bell rang. Unfortunately for him, he left a lot of noticeable marks on my face. I had a fat lip, a shiner, and a bloody nose. A teacher noticed this right away and sent me to the office. Once there, I was pissed and told the principal everything. He called down the bully who denied doing anything to me ever. The principal knew he was lying, so he scheduled an appointment with both sets of parents. That night, my mom and uncle went with me and his parents went with him. Once in there, his parents constantly denied that their kid did anything and even said I was bullying him. I was eight and could see how ridiculous that was. The principal had another meeting to be at, so he asked that we meet again the next night to resolve this. The bully's father started complaining and saying that if I bully him again, that he's okay with his son defending himself. He made a point of saying that just because you lose the fight doesn't mean you weren't the bully. Which I guess is technically true, except in this situation his son was definitely the bully. 
Everyone agreed to meet the next night, and we left the school. As we were getting into our cars, my uncle went over to the bully's father and put his arm around him. He walked him to where I assume he thought was out of sight. It wasn't. My uncle beat this guy up really badly. Then, as the bully's father was laying on the ground covered in his own blood, my uncle leaned in and said something. He came back, and everyone remained silent for the rest of the night. The next day, my bully wasn't in class. That evening, we all went to meet up with the principal, and the bully's father looked like those UFC post-fight photos. Lumps and bruises everywhere. The principal asked what happened, and my uncle responded by saying <laughs> by saying that the bully's father was bullying him and he defended himself. Just because he lost the fight doesn't mean he wasn't the bully. The principal took a moment, then looked at the bully's father and said, Is that true? The bully's father looked at the principal and said, Yes, sir. Then he said that his son needed to say something. My bully stood up and began apologizing as he broke into tears. He confessed to everything and said that he will never bully anyone ever again. Then, the father apologized for not believing me and the way he treated me. My uncle looked at the principal and said, I think we can accept that apology. Is there anything else? The principal said no and let us go. For the short time I was stuck going to that school, the bully went the long way around me whenever he saw me. So, what do you think the uncle leaned down and said to the guy? Let me hear your best guess down in the comments. Our next Reddit post is from KG1206. This isn't my story, but it's a pretty well-known one around my town. My store had some pretty strict bylaws about cutting down trees within town limits. It's because we're part of a green belt or something, meaning we have to maintain a certain amount of green space on our properties. So, for example, you can't just pave over your entire front lawn for extra parking spaces. And any existing trees on your property must be left alone unless removal is absolutely necessary for construction purposes or safety concerns. Normally, this isn't an issue because we're a fairly rural town. The lots are pretty big, and having all the tree cover gives you a lot more privacy. When this became a problem was in 2016, when a massive ice storm hit that knocked out power for three or four days. It also severely damaged a large tree on the front lawn of a 25-acre lot just on the edge of town. The man who owned the lot was a retired farmer, about 80 years old, who was a well-known figure in the community. He had built the house pretty far back off the road on his property and right next to a massive tree, the same one that was now damaged by the ice storm. Spring came and the tree died and looked like it was now in danger of falling on the house. He had a local tree service come out to inspect it and they confirmed that if something wasn't done that the dead tree could fall down, possibly towards the house, since there was a large split forming in the trunk as a result of the ice storm damage. The tree service couldn't do anything without the man getting permission from the town first since the tree would need to come down. Trimming would have been fine, but not cutting it down. To make it more infuriating, a neighbor literally next door was outside the town limits and therefore was free to clean up the storm damage however he saw fit. The man went and applied for a permit to have the tree service come out and cut down the tree and provided them with a quote from the tree service stating that it was a hazard. For whatever reason, the permit was denied by the town with no real reason given. With a nasty thunderstorm in the forecast, which he feared might send the tree crashing down on his house, and the town not giving him permission to do anything about it, he decided to take matters into his own hands and got a hold of a copy of the town's bylaws regarding the situation to see if there was a loophole somewhere, and oh boy was there a loophole. The town had made a pretty serious mistake in writing their bylaws. Have you ever noticed how laws are always written in a really strange, overcomplicated way? 
Well, this is done on purpose to try and minimize any creative misinterpretations of the law. Our town, however, had written some of its bylaws in more or less plain English, saying that it was illegal to cut down trees without approval from the town. Note the word cut in that sentence. This is important. After a quick phone call to his attorney, this man somehow got hold of a Caterpillar D7R, which is a big effing bulldozer for those of you who don't know. Probably borrowed it from the local gravel pit or something since he had that kind of pull in town. Anyways, the next day when the bylaw officer, knowing full well that his permit had been denied, caught him cutting up the already fallen tree, he stopped to investigate. The man calmly explained that he'd been using the bulldozer, which was still sitting on the front lawn, to tear up a section of dead grass so he could reseed it when he had accidentally bumped into the tree with a blade, causing it to fall over away from the house in the opposite direction from where it had been leaning. Obviously, the town saw right through the cover story and knew full well that he had knocked the tree over with the bulldozer on purpose and slapped him with a fine for it. He took it to court and won as the town's bylaw stated that cutting down trees without a permit was illegal, but it said nothing about pushing them over with heavy earth-moving equipment. The bylaw was changed and has since been replaced entirely and you're pretty much allowed to do whatever you want with your property as long as it maintains the green space requirements. That was r slash malicious compliance and if you don't hit that subscribe button then I'm going to send the uncle from that story after you.